Welcome to the Stewardship Leader Podcast, brought to you by the Christian Stewardship Network. CSN exists to encourage, teach, and connect church and stewardship leaders to help them create and lead healthy stewardship ministries in their church. You can learn more about CSN at christianstewardshipnetwork.com. Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to Stewardship Leader. I'm your host, Leo Sabo. And today I am joined by our ministry director, Rachel Rupert, and she is a millennial. And we're continuing a conversation following our Level Up Strategies for Improving Your Impact on the Next Generation webinar. This is something we've done recently. And it's something that I really encourage you, if you haven't had a chance to watch that video, to go ahead and do that. It's on our website. It's on our Vimeo account. And you can view that at your leisure. But I do encourage you to do that because we are following up from that conversation to dive a little deeper on this topic of stewardship and generosity for the next generation. How do we reach this next generation? We have some things in that webinar that I think will help you to understand millennials a little bit better. And as you do that, then you'll be able to have a strategy for how to connect with them, how to communicate with them, and how to disciple them. Well, first of all, Rachel, thank you for being uh, on this podcast. We appreciate your time. Thank you. I'm excited. I am uh, really enjoyed the webinar the other day, and I'm looking forward to just going a little bit deeper because we opened up a big can of worms yesterday, and we didn't get to really dive in. So that's what we're doing, continuation of some really great thoughts. Well, let's start with just, first of all, just a first question I think everybody really wants to know. How are millennials doing when it comes to giving? I think there's two really main areas that we are as stewardship leaders and as pastors are concerned as far as transferring this knowledge, this information, and discipleship to the next generation is one, how are they giving? And two, how are we doing and even ministering to them? But let's start with the giving part first. How are we doing when it comes to giving? Well, in our webinar, we talked about kind of the financial picture of where millennials are at. And just as an overview, which we have a great downloadable PDF that we'll include in the show notes, but just an overview, millennials are actually doing pretty well navigating a very difficult financial situation with the economy being really high cost. Cost of living is a lot. There's a lot of inflation over the years that have made just education, housing, everything more expensive. But despite that, they actually are doing a great job with being mindful of their financial situation and walking into debt a little bit more thoughtfully than previous generations. However, if you look at the statistics, which we did a, an article probably about a month ago or maybe a little longer about giving when it comes to millennials, they're actually not giving to the church very well. A study that PushPay did revealed that millennials, actually 60% of millennials do give, but it's not to the church. And they actually only make up 7% of the giving population of churches, even though they account for about a third of the population of the church, which tells us that they, they want to give, but they're not really bought into giving to the church. Mm. That's a that's a really important distinction there because it's not that they're not generous, it's that they just don't see the relevance of giving to churches. So that's something that we need to be aware of and potentially figure out, well, why is that the case? So then as we get into this, another 
aspect of giving, which I think it's important for everyone to, to know, is, well, who is supporting the church then? Right now, as we know from the same study and from other studies we've, we've looked at, is that the majority of giving to churches is actually coming from baby boomers. And so these are people that are literally in their 60s or older, and, and of course some Gen Xers are also giving. So 19% of the giving population um, is Gen Xers, and then 42% are baby boomers. But there's other statistics that actually show that the majority of giving is by either Gen Xers, which they're not giving as much as baby boomers, so the majority, the largest portion comes from baby boomers, and that's who's supporting the church today. And if only 7% of millennials, again, being one of the largest, in fact, they are the largest group in the church, they're 30.4% of the population, they're giving the least. So we can see the trajectory of this is not going well. Yeah, it makes me a little bit nervous for what the church is going to look like when I'm older, when my kids are growing up, if if the church is going to be funded the way that it should be. Mm-hmm. So this isn't, although this is a, a, a an important statistic, giving is important because it does say something about anyone that's a believer. Their giving is a reflection of their faith, their belief of God's Word, their understanding of finances. There's, so there's a lot of things in there that might guide someone that might direct someone's giving. So as it relates to that, how are we doing as it relates to discipleship? Because we know that stewardship and generosity is part of the discipleship process, or it should be. A church should be educating and teaching uh, the principles of managing money from the pulpit and, of course, in more practical ways. So are we doing a good job with millennials? How is the church doing in teaching the next generation on finances? I'd like you to talk about this as a millennial in your generation, but also go ahead and feel free to share your own personal experience in this. Sure, I would love to. Um, So from my own personal experience, I grew up, uh, Leo is my dad, so he's obviously taught me a lot about finances, and I would say that I'm probably more financially versed than a lot of people my age. I did not learn very much from the church personally when it comes to stewardship, but knowing the friends that I have, which I grew up in the church, my husband is on staff at our church and we know a lot of people through the church. So my friends are Christian. They love Jesus. They are very plugged into the church. I think a lot of people my age are very interested in financial education and they want to make the best decisions, but I don't know that a lot of them go to the church for that information just because there's not a lot available. And personally speaking over the years, I've attended a few classes here and there that have piqued my interest. But when I did go to stewardship classes, they were mostly, uh, I was the youngest person by far and it was about stuff like home buying. I attended an FPM estate planning seminar, and I was I felt very out of my element because there weren't very many people my age who were who were there. Actually, I don't think there was anyone my age. Hmm. Well, that's that's interesting because that that should say something. If we're drawing a certain crowd, a certain age group, uh, that means that it's obviously not appealing to the next group. So that's that's very relevant. So how are we ministering? to this group, generally speaking, not not even about finances. That's your experience in the financial side. But what about everything else as far as discipleship and being ministered to right now in the church uh, as a millennial? Um, that's a tough question just because 
it's been, I feel like the last year or so has been really challenging for my generation, for millennials, with everything that's gone on politically, just in the world with COVID and everything. We've had a lot of tension in the church as a whole. And I think the biggest tension has been between millennials and the older generation and how our viewpoints differ. So that's just like the the vibe of the church right now. It feels like we're at odds with a lot of church members. And even before all of this happened, just my personal background, I was born and raised in the church. I went to a church, saw my dad as a pastor, fell in love with just the ministry that was going on, and I felt called to ministry as well. So I went to Bible college. I got a degree. I volunteered throughout the years. So if there's anyone who's more passionate about Jesus and about serving at the church, let me know because I've always just given my heart to the church and I love the church. And when I started serving on staff at my church, I felt like there was so much great ministry going on, but I never saw anyone my age that was really plugged in. And the only way that I would find people my age was through small groups, which felt like we were all just looking for the same thing, but haven't really quite found it. Even like women's events that we would do, everything was geared towards the older crowd. And so it was frustrating because I was very plugged into the church. I knew a lot of people at the church and it felt like I was the young person hanging out with the 30 plus crowd. So I I always kind of was frustrated, not feeling like there was something specific for us. Even with young adult ministries, it just kind of fell flat. And I I know not everyone feels that way, but that is the experience that I've had as well as a lot of people that I know um, in similar experience as me. Mm -hmm. All right. So what do you feel like the church, church leadership, even our own ministry, what could we do better in order to make sure that one, we understand what you guys are going through, and then learn how to communicate and how to relate to you better so that we can actually impart this discipleship as far as finances are concerned and, of course, other areas. Sure. I think what would be helpful is for church leaders and ministers to really target the next generation in their ministry approach and their strategies. Something that I learned in my own experience from working in ministry was that you can always go younger and the older people will react well to that, but you cannot get a young person to react well to older generations kind of wording and lingo. You have to target the younger and the older people will be okay with that. So I think if strategies were more intentional It just would help us feel more seen. I think right now, millennials are just kind of like, we're there in the church, but we're like kind of this ambiguous, not really talked about. There's nothing specific for us, but we're trying to fit a mold and not doing a really great job of it. And if we just kind of came and and made it a little bit more intentional, I think being seen and feeling like we're a valued part of the church would give us more almost make us more passionate, more willing to go the extra mile. Because authentic connection and relationships is so important to our generation, we just want to be seen. We want to be valued. We want to we know that we're not walking through life alone. And in the church, when we feel invisible, it just feels like we don't really have anybody that has our back. 
And I think just uh, just minor tweaks, just trying to focus your attention on reaching that next generation will help draw people in. Yeah, that's good. Also, I think the style of connection, how we actually impart information, how we communicate the principles we're trying to educate and to teach and instill into this next generation is important because as a Gen Xer, I grew up in a classroom style environment where the expert was at the front of the, uh, the room. They would share information. I would take that information, learn it, memorize it, know it, and implement it. And that was the style of learning that I grew up with. But because of the technology you guys have been exposed to since, or as early as you were able to start making your own decisions, had a phone in hand, had the ability to ask questions of Google and not necessarily of mom and dad always, that you have a different style of engaging and learning. You correct me if I'm wrong, but you want to be included in the actual conversation. You want to be able to express both the support, but also the concerns you have so that it's not a blanket statement and you just accept it and move on. So talk about that difference, because I think that's really important, not because you need to be coddled. I don't believe that's what you're saying. I believe you want to be respected for what you know. We talked about this in the webinar, that you guys are the first fluent generation in technology, and no one else is. We aren't. I'm not. And that knowledge and information to put you on par or better than some older people, and that could be clashing or disturbing sometimes for some of us older folks, but you want to be respected. You want to be engaged. You want to be contributing. I don't know how we're doing that in the church currently, and that's the thing we need to address. Well, yeah, and I would agree. I think especially with the church and the strategies for how ministry is done, it's always kind of been classroom style. And because because especially with mega churches, you want to kind of speak to the masses because that's what's essential when you have as many people as you do. Mm-hmm. But our generation can get information anywhere. We don't have to go into a church building to hear a sermon. We can go on YouTube. Mm-hmm. We can find anything anything and everything online, even through social media. So we're not looking for information. We're not, we don't need to come to the church for a great message. We're coming for community. We're coming because we want to feel like there are people who care about us, who are here to walk with us through life, because that's what is harder for us to find. We can find connections on social media. We can talk to our friends, but getting that deep, um, conversation or mentoring where we can deal with difficult subjects, that's kind of where we're lost. And I think even you look at our generation and how much identity crisis there is, that there's so much confusion about who are we? What do we identify as? It's because we've had these big, hard questions that no one's been around to help us answer. And we can't forget that. You guys had that, and I think because you had that in those critical years, the 20s are such a hard time, teens and 20s, such a hard time to figure out who you are and what you want to do and all of this. And if you have nobody to walk you through that and help you understand what is the truth about myself that I need to know, then you're going to look for any kind of answer, and it might not be the right one. Yeah, I think especially as it relates to to finances, one of the things that we addressed in the webinar was that millennials are actually doing much better financially because they looked at the financial impact that's affecting their housing, of course, student loan debt, the fact that education is a must today. Higher education is not just, oh, maybe it's for some. 
actually without a college degree, it's really hard for anyone to notice you. So at least at the basic level, you have to have a college education, and that's going to be at least $40,000 or more, especially if you don't go to a public school. It's going to be much more than that. So you guys have navigated through that, trying to figure out how do I start my life? How do I engage in that relationship, get married, and then start a family, and then buy a home? And you have not been able to do all of those things. You've had to choose which one should I do. And some have chosen to not have children, just wait. Some have chosen not to marry yet. And others have chosen to marry and have children, but have had to give up on the idea of actually owning a home because having two incomes is a must in order to even have a place to live. I mean, even with regular rent, you're going to need both of you working. So that's that's part of the challenges you've had. But yet it seems like, at least from some of the research we've done, that you guys have actually been very responsible to look at this and say, I'm not going to try to do everything. You haven't taken on as much debt as my generation did. However, something you said earlier, you're not looking for information. And yet one of the things that we learned from our survey is that even though financially millennials have more savings, they have less debt, they don't necessarily know how to manage their money. Let's talk about that. What will it take for the church to disciple millennials so that they can be good stewards? What, what's missing? Because you guys have a ton of information. You have access to apps. You have access to every kind of tool that you need to manage your money well. What's missing? What can we do as a church, as leaders? How can we impart this information to you so that you're gaining what you're missing? And then how do we do that? Um, well, I think... And this is just personally speaking. I feel like what's really missing right now is just establishing trust. Because for so long, um, watching, especially through all of the stuff that's been going on the last year, there's a lot of differing opinions between the older generation, younger generation. We're trying to engage with a church that may not share the same ideals as us. And, um, and sometimes that's not respectfully done. You know, like I'll see people who have different opinions as me who will just go to town just berating you for not believing the same things or, or you know, the older generation can sometimes come across as very stubborn and unwilling to even accept people who are different in their thinking than them. And so you're coming and asking about how, did, how do I do ministry? Well, you can't even do ministry if your reputation is that as soon as you hear that I'm different than you, that you're going to shut me down. And so that's a kind of a bigger issue than just getting the stewardship element in their lives. But I think the church has a lot of work to do as a whole in establishing trust and accepting the younger generation that's going to have different viewpoints. I think every generation does, but none as drastically as ours because we have such a different lifestyle than any generation has had before. We have technology. We have all of these things that have completely changed our lives. I mean, you couldn't order stuff with a click of a button. When you were a kid, you had to go to the grocery store and go get stuff. I can have it delivered to my house in two hours. I don't have to leave. Mm -hmm. Like there's a huge difference with how you grew up with how I grew up. And so that makes us different in a lot of ways. And I think instead of saying like, well, how could you think that way? It doesn't make any sense. Just agree to disagree at the very least, but respecting us for being different and being unique in this way that we have a lot of benefits to us. So that's kind of a, a little bit of a rabbit trail. But once we establish that trust, 
I think knowing that there's people on our team who who want to help us be better and answer the questions that we can't find the answer to online. Like I can't get somebody to coach me on, well, should I do this or should I do this in a financial situation? We can't get that information through technology. We need a person. We need somebody that we can trust who's not going to judge us for our mistakes or our beliefs or our thought processes and that is willing to walk with us and we know that their interests are to help us to help us thrive, you know what I mean? Because that's not something that even being really deeply rooted in the church, it is very rare and hard to find someone who I know that they have only good intentions for me and my walk with God and my life, you know what I mean? Mm. There's always kind of feels like an ulterior motive. Mm. Um, And that's a problem. And I've seen a lot of people walk away from the church because they couldn't find peace with that. You know, they couldn't find peace with there being disagreements. Yeah, you talked about uh, being authentic and, and trust, and I think that's a that's a really important thing for us to, to really address here because one of the things that I understand about millennials is that they were raised differently, and because they were raised differently, they think differently. So, you know, we talked about the fact that they are more sensitive, but we raised them that way. We wanted them to be more engaged with their emotions. We wanted them to have emotional intelligence. We wanted little boys to be okay with saying, I love you, whereas my generation didn't teach that. Thankfully, some of that has happened, even in my generation. I have no problem saying I love you to my parents, but I wasn't raised that way. It wasn't a normal part of our conversation, whereas when you guys were growing up, that's that was just part of what we said and did. And it's something that we did with family members and and with church people. So it was different. It's changed and evolved. And that's a good thing, but that's made you more sensitive. And being more sensitive, I think, is part of the reason why millennials have been made the butt of jokes for many, many years um, and made to seem like they're almost like one of the terms that we we hear is snowflakes or, uh, you know, sponsor millennial and and just this, this notion that they're just not as good as they could be like that somehow we're needy, we've made entitled that we you know yeah you have to coddle us you mm-hmm. know we're babies and i know that's not true but yet especially from a mainstream communication channel it comes across that way even conservative christians have been part of that conversation unfortunately that we've joined in on it and and that only divides us so what you said about trust is some of that is a perception like we we perceive this next generation to, and I don't know that we're any different than previous generations, like my parents or, or their parents. We always look down on the next generation, saying, "Gosh, there's so much." You know, we have hope for them, but we're concerned because they think differently and they don't think like us, and and they won't do what we tell them to do. And and that's natural, right? We we meaning me, I have life experience, and when I'm talking to you, Rachel, I'm speaking with that experience in mind. And I want to save you from any kind of landmines or trouble that you might face that I might already walk through that I'm trying to spare you from. And some of that comes across when we're communicating. Like, I don't want you to make a mistake, but that also can be very disrespectful because I'm probably going to ignore your feelings. I'm going to ignore your perspective and just say, just listen to me and do it this way. And by doing that, even though I have good intentions, and, I, and I'm not coming back to the leadership of the church, we have good intentions. We want to teach you the Word of God. We want to share with you the truth. But if our perception is that you need to get all this right, and you need to forget about all of your struggles or not think the way you do, 
then it's diminishing who you are. And, and I recognize that that's something that we need to work on where we can connect and understand and just agree that you don't have to have it all together before we have a conversation with you because we didn't. Our parents put up with our nonsense. We need to put up with some of the things that you guys are still growing through. And in sharing, whether it's financial information, whether it's marriage information, all of this, as long as we do it from a level of trust and respect, I think we'll have a better chance of sharing those principles, right? Sharing those truths. And I believe you guys are, because you're more compassionate, you have more empathy, that you actually are drawn to those truths and you embrace those truths much quicker and apply those into your life than, than even we did. Well, I hope you're enjoying this conversation and we'll get right back to it in just a minute. But first, I wanna share some valuable information about one of our ministry partners. One of the biggest challenges to any church or kingdom-minded ministry is having the funding necessary to accomplish its mission. Having the right people, the right talent, and clear objectives are essential, but nothing will happen without adequate funding. And there's too much at stake to not consider how your ministry will be funded, not only today, but for years to come. Financial Planning Ministry understands this. It's why they exist, to fund ministry by educating families and facilitating generosity through planned giving. They know that helping people establish their estate plan is an integral part of financial discipleship because for most people, their largest lifetime gift will be given from their estate. This is a stewardship issue and one church and ministry leaders should take seriously. Now I know what you're thinking. Estate planning is a complex and challenging undertaking, but it doesn't have to be. FBM has for nearly 40 years been serving families by creating estate plans to ensure loved ones are cared for and protected from unnecessary waste associated with the settling of their estates, while also encouraging and facilitating generosity through their estates. Today, over $1.6 billion have been designated through FBM-created estate plans. As a ministry leader, your first responsibility is to serve your members and ensure they are prepared for that day. An estate planning ministry will accomplish this while providing your members the opportunity to support the mission and vision of the church or ministry that made it possible. To learn more about FBM and how they can serve you, visit them at fbm.org. I, I guess what comes to mind for me, just to kind of echo what you're saying is, you know, I personally speaking, and, and for many of my friends, I know this also resonates. Um, we just want to know the church. Like we want the church to be authentic. And when we look at the Bible and we're, we're wrestling with what would Jesus do or who is Jesus to us? And we see Jesus being so about people and relationship and in a in a reality where we don't have the mentors that we need but like i've personally searched for people who were would be willing to mentor and pour into me because i am hungry to learn more about god and i want to know life experience i do want to know your life experience because i i want to see how i can grow and be better and be all that god's called me to be and you see in the bible you see jesus who takes on 12 dudes and he walks with these younger guys and deals with their little problems. He deals with their little arguments, their petty arguments, and he teaches them the deep things and he deals with the small stuff and he walks with them through life. And because the church has become so 
mass produce with it being a mega church we miss out on that and that's rare for us to find people like that and then to contrast that with seeing so much judgment Mm -hmm. and lack of understanding of what we are going through as a younger generation who is in so much identity crisis we're not seeing that loving acceptance that jesus was did he did he condone sin no but he was not afraid of it and he he was loving the people and and meeting the people he met the woman at the well he he comforted the woman caught in adultery like he was not doing what i see so many older people do is just cast judgment and lack of understanding and ridicule which is so against the heart of god so there's this tension that's the tension that i see personally and i know that that comes from restoring relationship is the only way to improve that and that means that you have to be okay with discipling, truly discipling. Don't put us through a class. I don't want to go to a class. I want someone who's going to sit down and and want to get to know me as a person, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's kind of, I think, the cry of our generation is they're lonely. There's a lot of lonely people. There's a lot of people who are trying to figure out what what do I do with my life? (laughs) What do I do with my finances? And we just want to have somebody who can sit down and say, you know what? You're going to be okay. You're okay just the way you are, but here, let me help you and just to listen to us. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I love the way you just phrased that because it's about accepting people wherever they are, which is which is what Jesus did, is what we're called to do, and not having, like you said, you said something earlier that I want to come back to. You said that you felt that there was always a hidden motive when somebody was, when you were engaged with someone in ministry. Uh, or, or in leadership, volunteer roles, that there was always, you know, somebody was doing something. But what I heard you say is, I didn't feel like they really did it for me. I was one of the things that they did, but it was part of a job, not really a personal engagement. And I can see that. Uh, I've been in ministry. I know how fast-paced it can get, especially at a large church. And it's easy. It's easy to misuse or, f- frankly, it's easy to abuse people if you want to because people are willing. They have a desire to help. They have a desire to engage and volunteer and do things. And if you're not careful, you can do it all to make yourself feel better or make yourself look better rather than just doing it for the reason you're there, which is to disciple people and serve people. And let's face it, we're human beings, so leaders do fail at this, and sometimes we don't have the right training or the right mentorship to do that. So for that reason, one, I want to apologize to you as a generation, to the younger generation, because... That is not the heart of ministry. That's not the heart of, uh, I know any pastor that I work with, that's really not why they go into ministry. None of us go into ministry thinking, how can we abuse more people? (laughs) That's foolish. (laughs) None of us would ever dream of it. But yet somehow we get lost in our own, sometimes shortcomings, uh, sometimes lack of of, uh, maturity or just simply fear or, or, you know, pride, whatever you call it, it's sin but ultimately it drives us to misunderstand or misjudge or misuse. So for that reason, I think it's important for us as as church leaders to turn the corner and open the door and say, you know what, I have to some degree either ignored you or I've actually used you. And, And I think all of us need to be aware of that, that it's easy for us to do that. So in reaching this next generation, I think... One of the most important things that we can do, and I have a question for you here, Rachel, but one of the most important things we can do, from what I heard you say, is to actually just answer some of the questions that you guys don't have answers to. And that's not information. 
It's a relationship. It's something where we engage you one-on-one, and it doesn't have to be literally one-on-one. Maybe it's a group. Person to person. Person to person. So maybe a, a group of people that are just allowed to share their ideas, their struggles, their their questions. Uh, and so coming back to the stewardship discussion or the topic of biblical principles and discipleship, how do you think that is best done? How do we engage this generation so that the classroom style obviously is not what you guys are looking for, the information isn't what you necessarily are looking for? You do have questions on the information you have. So how do we approach that? What do we need to do to help you move in this process or you are discipled and equipped so that you feel like you have what you need and you can grow as a disciple and be a good steward and generous giver while you're living your your purpose? Well, I think a good example of a great strategy, if we're going to put a practical answer, like how can you do this in your church? I would say if you can find some people that are young, get to know them, maybe ask them questions about their life. Like, what are you going through right now? You know, get to know where are they at in their life so we can kind of see where their financial goals are. I would say for a young person like myself who hasn't yet purchased a home, but that's something I definitely want to do. Having someone say, hey, you know, I would love to kind of talk with you if you have questions, uh, we can talk through what that would look like. It, there's, Or, you know, do that with a small group, but get to know people. And I would say, ask them for their feedback. What my generation is great at is getting feedback from people. I could go on my phone right now, open Instagram and take a poll. And I, and a lot of people do that every day, just mm-hmm. about the most random things. So we are, we love to give and receive feedback and getting that information from your church members. What are they, where are they at in life? Or if you know that you're trying to target the twenties, you know what, different big landmarks are they're going through in their 20s mm-hmm. so preparing some content um and maybe putting a small group curriculum about the the key goals financial goals in your 20s would be a great way to just kind of walk people through that or even um i mean you have your getting money right podcast and that has been for me really great because topically I can go through and look for whatever thing I'm about to do and figure out, okay, taxes are coming around. How do I file my taxes? I have no idea. And walking through that, you know, just getting like, we don't, we can find information online, but it helps to be able to get the feedback and ask questions. So Mm -hmm. I think just being willing to sit down with those really practical stuff is a great open door that then you can begin pouring in the heart of God over stewardship and biblical stewardship and finances so that we can start to pour in generosity or even doing a Bible or a book study on a book like True Riches, which I loved, um, something like that, which captures the passion and the excitement of giving generously, things that we just don't think about because church is so... Um, hesitant to speak about giving, Mm -hmm. you know, like it doesn't have to be this scary topic where people are going to get mad. Just helping them read something like that would be a great way to just get them excited because I just think they don't honestly know. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I I would agree. I think that's a good, that'd be a good, good strategy. The other thing that I'm hearing you say is that we don't have to have curriculum where we just give you the information so that you have every answer you need. Uh, in fact, I think that it's almost like it's taking the pressure off. So I'm talking to you if you're listening to this and you're a stewardship leader and you're teaching in your church or you're offering different types of programs in your church, 
reaching this group won't take as much effort on your part to create curriculum. I really don't think it does. I think just engaging in the conversation, but then having ready answers, right? Understand how to walk them through the budget when that time comes, because they need it just as much as we did. Uh, how to buy a home, how to buy insurance, just those, those practical things. We should have the answer for that, but it doesn't have to be polished and ready to deliver and then just performance kind of given. It, it's just an engagement where we, we ask questions and we engage in a conversation and allow that to actually be the teaching vehicle rather than a top-down professor from the pulpit you know, to the congregation kind of approach because that's what this generation needs. They need to be able to ask questions. They need to be able to say, I'm hearing you, I've seen and I've heard this information, but let me tell you what questions I have as a relation to that information. Because it isn't a script I can follow. I have questions. So how do I get those questions answered? Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think if you want to turn away my generation, put together a PowerPoint. You know, like <laughs> if you want to if you want to get some people together and make an impact, invite somebody to coffee. Mm -hmm. it, you know, we were talking the other day about how you wanted to put a survey together and you wanted to talk to young people. Right. Yeah. And you said, I need to put together uh, I need to find these people. And I, by the end of the week, had like 12 people that could have come over and they were excited mm -hmm. about going, having dinner and talking about finances. You can't find 12 people on your own. But if you find somebody like me who's connected to people in their 20s, mm -hmm. you can have some really great community that's being built around this really foundational information. You're just going to have to rethink how you're going to present it. But I think you're right for your generation. It's going to come a lot easier because you it's in your DNA. You don't need to put together a PowerPoint and yet we can talk for how long about finances, like an hour. But you know, you think that when you're trying to teach something that you have to put a presentation together. And I don't think that my generation needs or wants that. I think we just want to sit down and talk to somebody. Right. Right. So, I mean, it's a great place to, to end uh, as a strategy. Just think, don't think the same way you've thought before, which is let me put a small group curriculum together. Let me put a PowerPoint presentation together. Let me develop a four, five, six week process that I can take people through. I think you, you and I as ministry leaders need to be equipped enough to be able to deliver that when we're asked to. But the format, how we do it, is going to have to be more engaging and more natural rather than what we've done in the past, especially as it comes to this group. But I, I really enjoyed this conversation because every time I talk to you, Rachel, it helps me to understand this generation that I'm passionately trying to pursue and, and, and pour into because someone poured into me. So I want that to continue, and I, want, I know that everyone in our network desires the same thing. We had some great feedback from the webinar that this is a topic that everyone wants to know how do we do this? Um, so I appreciate you sharing your perspective. I also appreciate some of the strategy that you've given us, which is, hey, it's not that complicated. Just engage us, respect us, and we'll respond. And you'll be surprised how well we will respond. So I love that. Any last words as we as we end this? Yeah, I'm just excited uh, to see, like I said in the webinar, I think that this generation is so ripe for harvest. I think my generation is just like waiting for an opportunity to mm -hmm. be to be invited to the table, you know, so to yeah, speak. Yeah. So um, I think as we pursue this generation and if we go at it with all our hearts, I think they're going to respond 
so passionately that the giving stats we see now, I think it's just going to be so much better because they're just waiting. I don't think they even know. Mm. I don't even think they know about giving because no one's ever really talked to. Very good. Well, thanks again, Rachel. We want to thank you as well for joining us for this episode. We hope it was helpful to you. And if you want to know more about CSN and what we do here at CSN, feel free to find us. Feel free to connect with us. We're on social media, but also on our website. We have some content that's coming out on a weekly basis, such as this podcast, blogs. Uh, We're going to continue to do more webinars and, and events that will help you to understand how to apply some of this information and how to use it in your churches, in your ministries, so that you are equipping the next generation of disciples. We are excited about this season. We know that God is doing some great work. Uh, We're partnering with other ministries, such as Financial Planning Ministry, which you've heard before. And I just want to encourage you to stay connected uh, and let us help you. If there's something that we can do for you, we would love to connect with you and help you to move this ministry and this passion forward. Well, again, thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time on Stewardship Leader.